Welcome to the Rooted Project podcast. The goal of this podcast is to help Christians in growing past the planet stage of their Christian life and provide meaningful, practical tips for teens and those that lead them. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rooted Project podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Sansoni. Today in the podcast, we're going to talk with a friend of mine, Ben Hicks, about how Christians and the government should relate to each other. While this is a potentially um, controversial topic, I think it's important for Christians to have open discussion and to know how to act towards our government so that we can keep our testimony. Um, I was most encouraged by talking about a Christian's attitude towards our government in, in ways that we can resist our government, quote-unquote. And uh, let's get into it. All right, Ben. Well, thank you for joining me on the Rooted Project podcast. I'll let you introduce yourself, and then we can hop right into our conversation. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Josiah. Uh, my name is Ben Hicks, and I uh, attended uh, Bob Jones University for eight years. I got my uh, bachelor's degree there, and then I got a Master of Divinity. Uh, currently, I serve as the young adults pastor, the single young adults pastor, at Colonial Hills Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And so I've been doing that for uh, going on three years now. And so that's been uh, a lot of fun, really enjoyed that. And um, I also uh, do a lot of writing for the church. I write our Sunday school curriculum, and that's uh, really fun. I, I enjoy doing that. Um, I am married, and my wife and I have one daughter who's just a little over a year old, and she's pretty adorable. And we're expecting our second in June, uh, about mid-June. And so um, things have been going really well, and uh, just trucking along and uh, trying to figure out uh, – <laughs> what life looks like during the coronavirus, just like everyone else, and try not to go crazy. Yeah, um, it's been interesting for for sure, just the coronavirus in general, how it's completely changed life. I know that when I, when, when it all started, I was like, uh, oh, it's no big deal. Like, oh, we'll, we'll take a couple of weeks, and, you know, it'll be over. And now we're still here, like, a month, month and a half later. I don't know how long it's been. And I'm like, oh, so this is serious. Um, you know, <laughs> we're going to be seeing this for a long time into the summer. Um, and it's raised a lot of questions um, about, you know, well, first off, you know, church in general, like what is church and what's church look like and stuff like that. And I think those have been good conversations. Um, but then it's also raised a lot of questions like about our government because um, it is so they're taking steps that they haven't taken before. And, and we are experiencing things, experiencing things as a nation that we haven't experienced before. I know it's raised a lot of questions for me as somebody who isn't super politically inclined, if that makes sense, um, as somebody who like cares and knows it's important, but also at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, whatever happens, happens. Um, so I've seen a lot of stuff on Facebook, um, just a lot of political posts and stuff like that. And you actually wrote uh, an article for, um, is it your blog or is that your church's blog? That's Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, me and a couple of friends, uh, when I was in college, there was four of us and we were we were pretty tight and had a lot of fun, but also uh, all four of us were ministry majors, and all four of us are in ministry right now. And so one day after, I think we'd all kind of gone our separate ways, we keep in touch uh, via Facebook Messenger, um, occasionally with some some serious conversations, quite often with some ridiculous ones. And uh, we just, we're, we're talking about a couple things, and we're like, man, we should just start a blog. And so uh, that's our blog, the four of us, and we all contribute to it as, as much as we're able. We've had a couple of collaborative posts, but a lot of times we'll just post individual posts. And so... Um, you know, whenever we write something, we try and have as many other of the group look over it as they can. You know, obviously, sometimes people get busy and can't. But the idea is, you know, this is going to be something that's going to be sharpening for us as we um, put these out. And then also uh, as other people are able to read it, you know, hopefully it can be a blessing to them. 
Yeah. So I was reading. So I, that I think you posted, shared that on Facebook, um, shared the blog posts, and I was like, oh, like this will answer a lot of questions. Or let, let's go ahead and read this. Uh, it's titled um, "Should Christians Resist Their Governors?" Is that correct? Is that the? Did I get that name right? Yes, I believe okay. so. Uh, it's something close to that, nonetheless. And uh, in mm-hmm. there, you had a lot of good stuff to say, um, not only um, about like rights as a nation. Um, but also like when it comes to actual Christians and like how we should biblically view authority. Um, and there are a lot of, you know, different views on that. So I really appreciated what you had to say. Um, so I just kind of wanted to go through and talk about um, that article, ask some questions that I had, and then also let you kind of explain the article just as it was, maybe um, say something about it differently that you maybe you wanted to say or just kind of go through it and explain it. Um, so the first question I have is um, at the beginning, you touched on this, and this isn't the point of our whole episode, um, is you touched on the, the right of governors um, to do what they're doing. So I'd love to hear your kind of, kind of your thoughts on that and, um, you know, what you kind of mentioned in that blog post about the rights of governors. Yeah, so, you know, this is one of those issues where there's, it, it, was, it was tough to write the article. Honestly, it started um, as an email to someone who'd had a question and it, it greatly morphed, and um, if I had to go back and write it today, it might be different, because this is an issue um, where there are so many different questions and so many different angles, but I, I wanted to narrow it down a little bit, and so it starts off with, you know, should we resist our governors? And obviously the first question we have to ask is, do they even have the right to do this? And I, I kind of was asking that from a constitutional American standpoint, does the governor have the right to say, you have to stay inside? Um, and, you know, I, I, I made this comment, you know, I'm not a constitutional scholar, and somebody in the comments was like, well, you don't have to be a constitutional scholar. Everyone should understand the Constitution. And I was like, okay, I, I get that. But, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a theologian. I'm somebody who studies the Bible. And I, I do follow the political scene a little bit more. I, I kind of find that interesting. I, I actually try to be um, not political on social media. Because um, I have political views, and I realize that there are people who I want to minister to who have different political views, and um, I don't want a Facebook post or a retweet to be something that's going to turn them off from the gospel. So I try to be, I try to be a closet um, poli- <laughs> uh, politically interested. And so, you know, I, I follow the situation, and one of the things that I'd seen is people saying they don't have the right to do this, they can't do this, and that kind of raised a question for me. Well, I, I don't know, can they? And somebody had sent me an article that was uh, really helpful, and we linked it in the blog post by a conservative, David French. And he really works through it and talks about the fact that the long and short of it is, yes, governors in the times of an actual emergency, a genuine pandemic, do have the right uh, to limit your freedoms for the public good. And so, again, I'm not a a constitutional scholar or an expert, um, but... It does seem like, and again, I just made some observations in the blog as well. These shutdowns have been done by Republicans. They've been done by Democrats. Um, it, it's, you know, our, our Republican president is pushing these. And so, you know, obviously a lot of our followers and, and people that, that are going to listen, I know at least a lot of the people that are going to listen to what I have to say are going to fall more on the conservative spectrum. And I would just say, you know, as I look to guys like, you know, I listen to the uh, Ted Cruz podcast and, um, uh, you know, obviously looking at, at Donald Trump and at others, it, it really seems like this is something that constitutionally is on the up and up. If there is a legitimate pandemic, then the government does have the right and the ability to kind of shut things down, at least temporarily. Yeah. And I think uh, I think that's something to keep in mind is that, like, for the most part, like they're doing it for our safety. Um, but it's very easy, like 
again, as somebody who's not super politically inclined and focused, um, to kind of be able to see, oh, I don't know, this seems a little fishy, but at the same time, like, they're probably doing um, doing it for a good reason. So that's been probably my biggest struggle is, like, is finding knowledge and whether or not I should be okay with what's happening. Um, and so I thought what you had to say uh, about that just from other um, conservative people was pretty encouraging because it makes it a little bit easier to swallow, if that makes sense, when you think, yeah. okay, like, and um, one of the things that I think um, you kind of get to later is the idea of, like, if they don't pull it back or if they start restricting it to, like, just churches and stuff like that, then we can kind of start seeing a difference in our role and a difference in how we should act. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, so... So as as you think through this, that you know, do they have the right? And and the answer is yes, but but with some caveats. Um, number one, is what they're going to ask me to do going to violate God's word? And that's one of the areas where there's been a lot of discussion, and we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. Are they requiring us to violate God's word, specifically, you know, the principle in Hebrews ten, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together? Um, number two, what if what if they're wrong? You know, what if they're just totally and completely wrong? What if we get to the end of this? And, you know, there's all kinds of, there's so much we don't know. And right now, you know, there's been a couple of reports that they've had some antibody tests out there, which basically test to see if you've been exposed to the virus, if you've had it, or at least, you know, your body's fought it off, how many people have actually been exposed. And some of the initial estimates say, oh, wow, a lot more people um, than we thought may have had this. Now, there's questions, are those tests reliable? Um, was, the, was the sample that we got a, a good sample? But if it comes, if we come to find out a lot more people had this and just didn't really show symptoms for it, then the severity of the disease would seem to go down some. And so, what if what what if they're wrong? Um, that's a question that a lot of people have. And then um, thought I had a third one. Oh, uh, the way that they go about implementing this is it is it draconian? Is it over the top? You know, what do we do when should we be concerned if there's a drive-in church? Everybody's staying in their car, and the police comes and writes everyone a $500 ticket. Is that something we should be concerned about? If that happens, what should we do about it? And so there's a general principle, yes, they do have the right to shut things down. Um, for how long? What if they're wrong? What if they cause us to violate God's word? These are some of the questions that then start begin swirling around, and uh, a number of them I, I try to answer in the blog post. Yeah, and I think uh, that, that kind of leads nicely into to what I would talk about is, um, like, kind of what can we, we do when we get past like the what if like they're doing it wrong or if something happens like what can our actions actually be and so in your blog post um, you kind of listed a bunch a few of them um, the first one was can we resist uh, I'd love to talk about love you to talk about that um, and then one question I, I, I did have ask I did ask personally um, is there, is there such thing as good resisting like is that something that we can look at and say oh yeah he's res resisting but that is okay yeah um so one of the comments that, that was on the, uh, the Facebook, uh, when we share, we have a Facebook page for our blog, and one of the comments that was made was by a friend that I had in college, and he made a good point, and as I've, I've thought through it, I didn't really define my terms. What do I mean by resist? Because resist could mean different things to different people. Resist could say, I, I don't think this is right. I'm going to write my governor, and um, you know, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to try and take some of the legal uh, things that we have in place or, you know, write my senator and, uh, you know, try and address it that way. That may be seen by some as resisting. Resist could also mean, you know, the government says I'm not allowed to be at a park. I, I don't care. I'm going to go to a park and I'm not going to wear a mask. So I think, you know, what do we mean by resisting is a fair question. 
And I think that can mean different things to different people. And I think it's a spectrum. And I think that's where we have to start asking the question, okay, what does scripture have to say about this? What does it look like? And when are we allowed to resist? Obviously, we have examples in scripture of people who did resist the government. But asking uh, two questions in regards to that. Number one, what did their resistance look like? And then number two, what were the circumstances that led to their resistance? And I think, um, it, so so there's there's kind of the, the soft end of resistance, if you will, where it's, I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm not actually disobeying the commands, but I'm trying to raise awareness for some concerns that I have. Maybe, you know, maybe somebody shares an article on Facebook that says, uh, hey, guys, uh, what they're doing isn't isn't great. Um, I, I've seen a few posts that, that have, you know, I, I found interesting. I don't even necessarily know that I would say concerned, but I've, I've found them interesting where it, it seems like, okay, they're starting to do certain things to, to count deaths in an unusual way, like even here in Indiana. Um, if they highly suspect that you died of coronavirus, um, then they're going to just, even if you tested negative or if you weren't tested, they're going to start counting those as, as symptoms or, or as, as cases. Okay, well, that means the death toll is going to go up. Um, and it may, be, may go up inappropriately so, but on the other side, they're not going to do it if you don't die. So if, if they look at it and say, boy, that really looks like coronavirus, but we weren't able to test or we, didn't get, or we did and we got a negative and there's been false negatives, well, we're not going to count that. Okay, and I look at that and I say, you know, that, that would seem to inflate the numbers a little bit. So if, if, if I share an article raising awareness to that, if I, um, you know, if I take the proper channels and call people or, you know, my senator or my governor and, and try and address this or make my voice known, that may be seen as kind of soft resistance. Hard resistance would be, this is what they've told me, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to reject what they say out of hand. And there are some times in Scripture where Christians are allowed to, to hard resist the government. The question becomes, under what circumstances and what should be our attitude for that? And uh, do you want to explain like what those, what some of those circumstances and what like what our attitude should be like that? Because I do think that um, for me, kind of even along the lines, lines of what you were just saying, like for me, like a hard resistance would be more or less disobedience, and then. Um, like an active violence, maybe um, not act of violence, like an active violence um, would probably be how I would go about describing like a hard resistance. Um, and I know that some people that would describe like resistance as like even protesting. But for me personally, I and, you know, maybe I, I don't completely agree with him about to say, I don't know, um, like I feel like protesting is a way that that Americans throughout history have. Um, kind of let their voice be heard as long as it's peaceful. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wouldn't say it's the best way to do it. I think you should seek a means of um, of, of more in-line, peaceful way to get your point across before that. But at the same time, I think that there comes a point where that is okay. But anyway, I'll let you get to your point about um, kind of like what the circumstances and, and the attitude should be for resistance. Yeah, and that that's a... A good point. What do we do with protests? You know, our government has allowed for peaceful protests. Um, that's that's one of our rights. Uh, the, the the tricky thing is, should you be protesting when the government says everybody stay home because there's a pandemic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good that's, point. That's a good point. That that you know, typically under normal circumstances, I would say, yeah, if you want to have a peaceful protest, our government has allowed that. You know, I've not been able to do it, but I would love to go to the March for Life. You know, in Washington, one of these years. Um, I don't think that it's wrong uh, for Christians to protest since our government has said 
this is a way that you can make your voice known. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is interesting when people hold protests and five people show up. That also makes a <laughs> statement. I don't know yeah. if they realize that. Yeah. Um, what, what are the circumstances in which we can disobey our government? And in Scripture, it's very clear we disobey the government when the government requires us to violate the teaching of Scripture. So we have several examples of this in Scripture. We have the story of Daniel um, in Daniel 1, when he wouldn't eat the food that the prince of the eunuchs gave him because it was defiled. And um, we have the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who wouldn't bow to the statue. We have um, uh, Daniel, who would pray three times a day towards Jerusalem out his window. Um, we have the example of Peter and the example of John, who didn't listen to the to the leaders when they said, hey, stop talking about Jesus. And they said, no, no, we're not going to do it. We have, um, you know, the example of Moses' parents in Exodus and then also brought up in Hebrews 11 that they didn't fear the king's command. So we do have examples uh, in Scripture, and I would say that those examples are, uh, as far as I can think of, always limited to when God's word is being violated or when human life is on the line. Um, so, you know, you have the the Pharaoh's parents or the, the midwives, you know, they, they weren't afraid of the king's command and they, they, they basically lied to the king or to the Pharaoh. Uh, why did they do that? There, there was life on the line. And so they didn't listen to what, what they were told, you know, and, and the question is often brought up, well, what would, what do Christians do during a time like Nazi Germany? You know, if you're a Christian, do you obey the government? And my response to that is, you know, not when life is on the line, not when people are being systematically and pointlessly killed. Um, at that point, you have every right to resist, or, or, or when God's word is being violated. Um, and so the question that a lot of people have is, okay, is God's word being violated here? Because as Christians, we are told to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that word forsake is a very specific word. It has the idea, uh, again, of forsake or abandon or desert. Um, it's actually the word that Christ used on the cross. My Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and I think that as we look at that word, we, we, we would even understand just intuitively that refers to somebody who's making the personal choice, I'm not going to go worship with God's people. I don't think shut-ins are forsaking the assembling of believers. Um, I, I don't think that the doctor who has to work a Sunday rotation once a month is forsaking the assembling of believers. We realize that there are times and there are circumstances when it's not possible for believers to gather for one reason or another. And in those circumstances, I don't think it's helpful to say, well, they're forsaking the assembling uh, together. And so if the government comes and says uniformly we're shutting down all public meetings because there is a disease that we believe is killing everybody, um, then at that time, you know, I don't think they're asking us to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, I will say this. If they start targeting churches, and this is where uh, the, the equation changes a little. If they start targeting churches, and now um, we're shutting you down because you're believers, or even if they don't say that, but if they start opening other things up, if you can have drive-in restaurants but not drive-in church, if they start saying, okay, we're going to you know, reopen uh, some of these other non-essentials, but churches, you guys need to stay closed— uh, that's where there is starting to be a little bit more of targeting of persecution. Um, and they may not say it outright, but some of the statements that have been made, even by certain governors, have been concerning along these lines, because it does sound like 
uh, churches are a little bit in the crosshairs. So, so do you um, think? Let me um, let me just ask a question. While we're on, do you think that we are seeing some of that right now when it comes to like, oh, you can do this, but you can't be in church? Do you think we're seeing a little bit of that in like today when it comes to being able to meet together? I think it's case by case, but um, and I think it, one of the difficult things is trying to define what is essential and what is not. And again, I I would not want to be making any important decisions <laughs> right now. Like I I, you know, I was talking to. Uh, my brother-in-law who uh, was telling us about, you know, the FDA and a choice that they had made and how that had backfired. And I was just sitting there thinking, boy, I'm so glad (laughs) that I'm not the one who has to push these buttons and make these calls because it's not a fun time. I think that there have been some statements and some actions and and I'm only getting bits and pieces. So I don't want to be one to speak to it definitively. It does sound like there might be some instances where churches have been targeted a little bit. The governor of New York um, at one point made the comment that if you don't abide by our stipulations, your church or your synagogue, um, interesting, he didn't say mosque, he said, we will shut you down permanently. Um, I'm I'm hoping that he was just really frustrated and that he spoke out of turn and that he didn't really mean that. But that's a concerning statement um, for the government to say, we're going to shut you down permanently. So th- there are things like that that I look at. Um, you know, there's, and there have been some instances, I think there was a church in Missouri that, um, was told to shut down and they took it to the courts and the courts uh, seem to be siding with the church. And again, I don't know all the details, so I don't want to speak definitively to anything, but I think it is certainly possible and I think it might be happening. And I think, you know, for a church to say, hey, we feel like we're being unfairly targeted, we're going to take this to the court system. You know, that's what our government has set up for us. And so I think that's an example of a good example of of soft resisting. Hey, we're going to we're going to challenge this in court because we don't think that we're actually disobeying the laws here. And, um, you know, our government has set up checks and balances. Um, let me talk real quickly, though, and this was, this was the main heart behind my article, and that is, what should our attitude be when we resist? Because this is where I get a little bit concerned when I see American Christians, you know, did, did you want to say something? Nope. Okay. Um, when we see American Christians and their attitude towards the government, because every time we see resistance in Scripture— um, we see God's people doing so with the right spirit. Um, the classic example is Daniel 1, and I kind of joke about this in the, in the post, but Daniel did not come to the prince of the eunuchs and say, hey, I'm a Jew, I'm not going to eat this trash and throw the plate. You know, and, and honestly, looking at some of the social media posts, I, I think that there might be some Christians who would do that, whose attitude would be, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do or what I think I ought to do. Um, what did Daniel do? He was actually really kind and really gracious. He had the favor of the Prince of the Eunuchs, and the way that he brought his case, number one, he tried to find a solution. He said, hey, you know what, what if we, what if for, you know, 10 days we just eat vegetables and drink water, and then at the end you compare us? Would that be an acceptable alternative? And the Prince of the Eunuch said, okay, yeah, I'll I'll give that a shot. You know, I think as churches, I think it's good that, you know, the, the whole drive-in church was an, op, was an attempt on the part of churches to say, okay, the government doesn't want us interacting. Uh, we would still like to be able to gather together in some way and see each other. Um, can, wh- what, if we, what if we do drive-in? Is that, is that an acceptable alternative? And I think that type of thing works well. If they start unrolling this slowly and say, and, and, and I don't know, but if they said, you know, okay, only groups of 200 can meet. And, you know, Colonial, we're, we have a church where we have 600 on a Sunday morning. To go to them and say, okay, what if we um, what if we have meetings, you know, three meetings 
or uh, what if we use different buildings uh, and working with law enforcement um, if they if they begin by saying okay we don't want groups larger than 50 okay uh, and we don't want churches to meet well is it okay if we do home meetings um, in, in looking uh, to, to find a solution and doing so with a humble spirit you know scripture over and over and over and over and over again tells believers that they are to be submissive that's supposed to be our overall attitude and the way you can tell this is you go through and in scripture um, first of all it starts at the top in the godhead christ submits to the father we see this specifically in john we see this taught in first corinthians 11 that the father um, is the head and christ submits to what his father has for him and so that's the example that's set for us and then every time we have a legitimate power or authority structure in scripture the command is you are to submit. So wives are told to submit to their husbands and children are told to submit to their parents and Christians are told to submit to the government and slaves are told to submit to their masters. And in Matthew 23, right before Christ just nails the Pharisees, he begins by saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatsoever they bid you to observe, do. So he actually starts that whole conversation by telling them you need to submit to the scribes and the Pharisees because they're the ones teaching you God's law. I mean, every time you see a relationship in Scripture where there's any kind of authority, and then you say, well, what if that authority is unkind? What if they're, um, what if they're harsh? And, and let's not forget, Paul's writing to Rome. Um, Peter's writing right before uh, persecution. Many people think that, you know, First and Second Peter are written uh, within 10 years of Peter's own execution at the hands of Rome. So the Bible recognizes and says, yeah, there's going to be bad authority. Um, there's going to be, you know, he says this specifically with slaves, be be submissive and be good and kind to the gentle and also to the harsh. Um, and so it's important to realize that the overall attitude of Scripture is you need to submit. And to be honest, that totally cuts a gra- against the grain of our culture. I mean, to even say that. Everything now is about standing up to power, speak truth to power, question authority, tear down the power structures. Um, everything in in us as Americans says tyranny, I'm not going to listen to you. Everything in scripture says you're to submit to those who are over you. Now, again, I think that there's room for uh, soft resistance as far as I want to make my voice heard. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to follow the proper channels. I think if we get to the point where they say, you know, churches, you're not allowed to meet, but we're opening up other areas of the of the economy, um, working with them. And then if they say, no, we don't want you to meet, or if it's New York State and, it's a, and they say, well, you know, you can't be a church anymore because you didn't follow all of our guidelines, okay, then we're in the ground of some hard resistance as far as just civil disobedience. But I think all of that needs to be done with an attitude that says, I'm going to submit to the authorities that God has put in place over me. And when I um, resist them, when I go against them, um, I'm doing that because I'm actually obeying God. So it's not that I'm disobeying, it's that I'm obeying the higher authority. And I think uh, at the very beginning of that, and then in your blog post, you said um, whenever we like the the example of Daniel, like he was trying to find a solution. Um, he wasn't, he didn't just, like you were saying, say no to say no. Um, he, he tried to find a solution. And I think that's something that a lot of um, people in general, not just Christians, are struggling with is, is finding a solution instead of just saying no to say no. Um, and you even kind of answered my next question there, which is like, why should we be obey government? And we see a lot of that throughout um as you as you just lined up throughout scripture of of um, the examples of um, even in bad government situations or bad leadership situations um, submitting ourselves why we should submit to government according to scripture is twofold number one god put our government over us okay mm-hmm. 
So for me, um, I'm in Indiana. My governor is Eric Holcomb. God has put Eric Holcomb over me. Uh, might Eric Holcomb someday tell me or try and restrict something that I feel like as a Christian I can't listen to? That day may come. But I'm going to be really cautious and careful and slow before I resist Eric Holcomb because Scripture says the powers or the authorities that be are ordained of God. So number one, um, God says, I put your government over you. And by the way, Paul's writing to Rome, guys. And when he's writing, Nero is the emperor. And Paul says to Christians, listen to Nero because God put Nero over you. Okay, You may have a democratic governor and you may not like him. I get that. God put that Democratic governor over you. And so does that mean that there's never a time when you can't resist? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means, boy, we've got to be really slow and really careful and really cautious because I don't want to resist God. And number two, First Peter makes this point. Um, he says that y- you need to submit, that you may put to silence the questions or the, the talk of foolish people. And it, it's hard for us to imagine how countercultural Christianity was. Um, the religious and the political were very much wrapped up together. Uh, emperor worship was a real thing during the time of the New Testament. And so for a Christian to say, Jesus is king, he's my Lord, he's my sovereign, um, these are terms that are applied to, to Nero or to the emperor. And for a Christian to say, I can't offer a sacrifice to a pagan god and I can't offer a sacrifice to the emperor, um, you know, there were times when, when Rome was kind of like, okay, whatever. And there are times where that really bothered people, and that might have differed by location. Um, it doesn't mean that necessarily, you know, for four, first 400 years, everybody always hated the Christians. It, it, it went up and down, but there was, definitely, there was definitely a lot of tension. And what Peter is saying is, hey, guys, um, there's a lot of tension right now, but when you submit to whatever you can submit to, when you, when you make that your goal, I want to I be as in line with, with what Rome is doing as I can be. Um, then you actually silence people who are detractors. And there are lots of people who are trying to take away from what Christ is trying to do today, who are trying to paint Christians as the bad guy, as the enemy. And I think Peter's uh, advice stands today, and that is, as much as possible, we want to be submitting to the government God has put in place, because when we do that, we're actually amplifying our testimony, and we're silencing people who say, yeah, these Christians are bad for America. They're insurrectionists. They're rebels. They're causing all these problems. We have this pandemic, and and um, you know they're the ones who are causing all the problems. And when people die, we we'll know who to blame. Okay, um, and again, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that they say in the end. There there may come a time when we have to disagree with some things that they say if they try and keep the churches shut down longer. But the way that we go about that and the attitude that we have can either add to or take away from our testimony. Awesome. Um, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, we answered a whole lot of questions there that I had personally. Um, so I'll let you make some closing comments on whatever you want to say. Maybe talk about your your blog and your church podcast, whatever you want to do there, and then uh, we'll be done. Sounds good. Um, and let me just let me add one quick qualifier. I know we've gone kind of long. Um, I, I realize that there's some tension here with being an American and the Declaration of Independence, and let's throw off tyranny and Christianity, and let's follow and submit to our governments. Um, And I would, you know, that's something that I continue to work through. I I do think, you know, that we ought to guard our liberties. I think we ought to take every possible action to try and protect those. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful for the rights and the freedoms that we have. Um, But at the same time, let's try and bring all of that under the rubric of Scripture and how do we follow and listen to Scripture. Um, 
Uh, yeah, let me just uh, plug my uh, blog real quick since you've given me the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that. It's pursuingthepursuer.org, and uh, we post uh, uh, here and there when when we have time. We have four of us, and we're all in ministry, and we all have families, so uh, it's kind of spotty, but we hope that it can be an encouragement to you as you go there. And our church also has a, a podcast that we're trying to do uh, daily devotionals from our pastor as well as some conversations. That's the Colonial Hills podcast, and that's available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website as well, if you'd like to check that out. Sweet. Thanks so much, Ben. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Rooted Project podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope that you learned something about how Christians and our government can act together. And I hope it's helped you understand how we can best show Christ during this super crazy time. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to follow it on whatever uh, platform you listen to podcasts on, whether that's um, Apple or Spotify, Anchor, and we also put these videos up on YouTube. You can follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at SciSansoni for updates on the next episodes. Um, This has been The Rooted Project. See you in the next one.